Young People and the Poets by William Donald McClintock from The World's Best Poetry, Volume 1, Home and Friendship, Part 1. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lian Yao, Craig Franklin, Sonia, Anusha Ayer, Thomas Peter, and Jason in Panama. Young People and the Poets When it comes to poetry, all of us are equally young and gay. The only thing your older friend, the critic, has a right to do is to run around, calling and beckoning you to find pleasures a little higher up or over the hill. Why, then, does he urge you to read for yourself these goodly volumes of poetry? For pleasure. The poets are right, first of all, not to teach us, but to give us pleasure. If you will read them happily, you will like them. You will remember and delight to say over their great lines. They will take you to a bright, romantic world of interesting people and places, where everything is choice, well arranged, full of warmth, of colour, of movement, and where even sad things are sweet. That is almost enough, for he who gives you joy wherein you know you are not abusing some sacred faculty, nor taking joy from someone else, brings a gift into whose perfection you need not inquire. But you are now not a mere child, and I trust you care to know something of what is happening in your mind as you enjoy this other world of the poets. Training the Imagination By all art, but especially by poetry, your imagination will be aroused and cultivated. This means several things. By this faculty, we make and see images and pictures. Take, for example, these pictures. There lies the port. The vessel puffs her sail. There gloom the dark, broad seas. The lights begin to twinkle from the rooks. The long day wanes. The slow moon climbs. The deep moans round with many voices. From Tennyson, Ulysses. Do you not, like Odysseus himself, see with your eyes the harbour, the boat ready, and do you not hear him call to his comrades to push off and sitting well in order smite the sounding furrows? Such clear, concrete pictures the poets give you everywhere. Sometimes, too, these images are addressed to the air. Hear this. Bees that soar for bloom, high as the highest peak of furnace fells, will murmur by the hour in foxglove bells. From Wordsworth, Nuns fret not, etc. Sometimes they appeal to the taste, as in lucent syrups, tinct with cinnamon. From Keats, Eve of St. Agnes. Now the poets make you realise and enjoy these vivid images. You learn through them to recall your own mental pictures, to make them clear and consistent, and to describe them in telling words. By the imagination also, poets take many bits of things they have seen, heard, or felt, and build them into new holes which they have never seen, yet which are beautiful and inspiring. These new creations always have some satisfying idea in them, as of things that might be or should be on earth, as showing justice or mercy at work, as delighting our sense of peace or beauty better than anything we have known, or as filled with charming people doing delightful things. Just above our human world there is made this new world, smaller but nearer our ideals, in which we live freely and happily. It is by the imagination, too, that we seem to penetrate into the very depths of things, as if with a new and powerful eye. 
Here Lear's pathetic exclamation. How sharper than a serpent's tooth it is to have a thankless child. From Shakespeare, King Lear. Or Emerson's radiant truth about the poets. Olympian bards who sung divine ideas below, which always find us young and always keep us so. From Emerson, Ode to Beauty. These swift glancings of the mind's eye make you see life more deeply, and they keep you from being commonplace, alive only because you are breathing. We say, further, that it is by the imagination we spread the atmosphere of a gentle feeling over the face of a sharp image, as the golden light of evening over a clear but hard landscape. So it is with the artistic word, sleep, noted by Ruskin, in Lorenzo's exclamation. How sweet the moonlight sleeps upon this bank! From Shakespeare, Merchant of Venice. Here the word expresses both the bare fact of the moonlight lying or being on the grassy bank, and the tender aliveness of the night's soft light. Read the poets, then, because they fill your mind with these lovely pictures, teach you to make them for yourselves, make you eager to create new halls, houses, landscapes, creatures, people, and their actions, and then make all these full of meaning and value for you. The poet's world is a living, moving world, and you have living emotions toward it. Best of all, the poets will train your imaginations, as well as arouse them into activity. It would be unfortunate if your imagination should become merely fanciful, making up accidental, idle combinations, like those of a kaleidoscope, without any truth or wisdom in them. These new creations of the imagination should have in each some principle of physical or human nature, should be consistent, presenting things you would like to see and handle. Now whatever the great poets build up has in it these qualities. Whenever you read them much, you will be delighted to see your mere childish games of fancy begin to give place for the new but real beings, who do not walk the earth, and yet are of it. They make you, like the great inventors, constantly create new objects, yet always desire that these creations should please and serve mankind. It gives art and distinction. It is good to read and memorise poetry, because it brings us so immediately into the presence of art and distinction. Too easily we grow limp and slovenly, doing things rather more or less, as Kipling says. Most of us must be taught, even urged, to do things in the best way, to speak and write and play, and work as perfectly as possible. Loving beauty and making art, the poet is always trying to be perfect. His words are costly, and very expressive. He wishes to waste nothing, and never idly repeats himself, just running on. How compact and orderly is his work, and after its outlines are well constructed, how lovingly he carves and decorates each line. Reading it, you are put in an elevated mood, you are tuned up. You at once speak more choicely, your manners improve, your work is more orderly, you are not pleased with coarse or merely foolish pleasures. This artistic mood is not something for artists only. It is for everybody, doing everything. To be sure, it doesn't come at once and always stay with us. It can be easily scoffed out of the mind, and the lazy, slipshod ways come back. But read the great verses often, and you will reap the spirit of an art in all things. 
the spirit that elevates that gives skill that fascinates the mind with perfection bring in a far away romantic world another splendid service poets perform is that of bringing you to a fresh distant enchanted land they satisfy your longing for escape for sea and land travel for new scenes for the heroic unknown reading them your soul today is far away sailing the vesuvian bay buchanan read drifting life even to the happiest is often tiresome too full of work having the same people and objects about us young people soon exhausted for the moment their first pleasure in their homes play studies their mates and even their dreams then too your instincts are drawing you out from yourselves making you become part of other and richer worlds you are not permitted to be a small fixed and narrow soul hence these passions in you for things distant for always learning something new for old and happy far-off things and battles long ago wordsworth a solitary reaper this restless eagerness can become a disease of course leading to idle discontent we must learn too the good that lies in life's familiar face but first of all we have a right to send our souls journeying with those poet romances to old times to spain and india to romantic castles to wild mountains and deep forests and wave-breaking seashores to people even lovelier than smile upon us here poetry for beauty and adornment wordsworth thought that young people had a decided liking for a world loftier more adorned more highly coloured than that of their ordinary life and that their expectation is always standing on tiptoe for something evermore about to be the poets do present us their pictures highly coloured and adorned they see things at their best in their most typical states hence their pages glow with carvings and colours and decorations and all minor beauties they see many more details than duller mortals and they point out many more dainty hues and patterns the painter turner once had a visitor who said to him of one of his pictures mr turner i can't see anything in it he replied more sharply than kindly madam don't you wish you could when you don't see anything in a poet's picture ask yourself first if it isn't your fault and so look more intently if you have been in the woods in the deep summer night you remember the breathing of the forest how carefully a poet describes it when he says the tall oaks dream all night without a stir save for one gradual solitary gust which comes upon the silence and dies off as if the ebbing air had but one wave keats hyperion an opening palace door to the same poet is like a full-blown rose in vermeil tint and shape in fragrance soft and coolness to the eye keats hyperion and he is most specific in this there in a wailful choir the small gnats mourn among the river sallows borne aloft or sinking as the light wind lives or dies keats 
to autumn at first this highly coloured and decorated world may seem false exaggerated or merely invented by the poet and of course some poets are artificial and untrue to any facts of life but in all the poetry you will be asked to read the poets are seeing and hearing what exists to their delicate senses they idealize by seeing the rare by rejecting the commonplace and meaningless and they perceive with their feelings as well as with their physical organs but so should all young people taking care only that their scientific and historical training in accuracy keeps pace with their love of poetry the poets therefore make a world of beauty and they make you aware of beauty all about you in every human face and motion as all the forests and places of flowers in the sky by day and night and on the shores of oceans and rivers as wordsworth expresses it they show you beauty an hourly neighbour then too the poets are hopeful they make us feel happy over the something evermore about to be with them we seem to be always travelling or moving up to the higher forms of life or expecting the nobler man and society yet to be reading them you do not lose heart which is fine tonic for your soul just at the time when your child's dreams begin to have hard sledding in the roads of the world arousing and training the emotions you should read much poetry to arouse and refine your feelings poets feel more than other men they feel keenly about many things and they feel both strongly and delicately you doubtless have many emotions you are sometimes swept by waves of passion like a water by a strong wind but you need to have feelings about more people and aspects of nature about institutions and ideas it is a small or an uninstructed mind which has only a few matters about which it has lively feelings hence it grows narrow prejudiced and intemperate poets take you about a wide and lovely world they introduce you to hosts of delightful people they make you love the common life and things near you they set before you splendid heights of character which you admire and wish to climb about all this they are never indifferent but state all as having real values love of good and fear of evil particularly they arouse genuine feeling in you about the rare new things you have never seen hence they fill you with expectation and make you wish to know more and more of life but just as much they make you sensitive to the beauty and good of things familiar browning says the artists make us love things we have passed perhaps a hundred times nor care to see that art was given for that god uses us to help each other so lending our minds out browning Fadipolipi. then too we have often cheap or coarse feelings about our daily environment we need to have it all elevated made to feel solid and bright and admirable look at the next pool of water you pass in the street you can see it just as an ugly puddle or if you will select what you see you can have a wonderful brown mirror with pictures of romantic colours and shapes whatever they are to others let your father to your own heart be father your home be home your work be joy this great poets will teach you to do to select to idealize to fill with meaning all your world the feelings you have are probably strong sometimes wild and hard to control 
they make you say great rash weedy words how can you so refine them that they are in control that you are satisfied with them when you speak the first way is by having many feelings they balance and refine one another if for example you have feelings of respect for other nations the love for your own country will not rush into foolish raw unjust patriotism then you must come to feel more delicately about smaller objects more quiet colours and less striking people at first we see and love high colours big and very active things and those irregular and strange but the artists calm us down make us subtle show us smaller beauties and so refine our feelings the poets especially help us to express our feelings you know that the language of emotion is naturally exaggerated you remember how violent and unmanageable yours sometimes is even when you feel nobly and wish to speak to make others love you well the poets have choice words and figures and images these make good channels for our strong feelings to run in so that we can convey them to others without distressing them if you will memorize many poems the words and phrases become like lovely melodies of musicians forms into which your emotions delight to flow and always at your call the music of verse here then is a noble kingdom of emotion sublime and elevating or tender and peaceful it will arouse you cultivate you give you noble loves and noble cares and it is yours for the taking read aloud with full voice not too fast these stanzas and lines sun comes moon comes time slips away sun sets moon sets love fix a day tennyson the window and then my heart with pleasure thrills and dances with the daffodils wordsworth i wandered etc i chatter chatter as i flow to join the brimming river for man may come and man may go but i go on forever tennyson the brook some respite to its turbulence unresting ocean knows shelley stanzas eighteen fourteen rose aylmer whom these wakeful eyes may weep but never see a night of memories and of sighs i consecrate to thee landor ah what avails etc the cloud-capped towers the gorgeous palaces the solemn temples the great globe itself yea all which it inherit shall dissolve and like this insubstantial pageant faded leave not a wreck behind shakespeare the tempest every young person should delight in the music of such words pleasant sounding words in themselves and more so when set in lines with others there are two things to accomplish here first to train our own speech and make it soft and low and full and vibrant like a wonderful musical instrument nothing shows more certainly a cultivated and experienced person than such a musical throat and secondly to train the ear to take pleasure in words set in tuneful order the bright or large or rapid or stately rhythms of great poets to do this at least three matters must be observed you must read aloud all other musical instruments must appeal to the ear we cannot see music in them so must the human throat 
to read with the eye only is to miss this first most significant art of the poet his singing his musical words read all your poetry with free open throat as if you were singing it do not read too loud nor too fast either bad practice strains the voice spoils the poet's music and ideas and gets us into sing-song you need to develop your deep chest tones your quiet gentle tender sounds rather than your high hard head tones thinking happily about the poet's ideas or his pictures and situations you will let your voice rise or fall hurry or go slow be tender or severe naturally when you read poetry expect not to be lazy and merely indulgent but to think with your poet put yourself in his situations and seek carefully for the beauty that lies in his full lines to get the greatest joy from poetry you must croon over the lines and stanzas sing them recite them as you walk about that's the way burns wrote his fine songs and tennyson also used constantly to recite his poems writing them with his ear as well as his eye perfecting the gift of language as you already know language is the chief means we have for expressing our ideas and communicating with our fellows we can express ourselves in many other ways pictures and sculpture buildings music handwork gesture machines and we are free in our day to use any and all of these still language remains the quickest most universal of all how vastly important then that this instrument should be perfect as large and flexible as our souls now the poets of all men care most for their words these are to them as the tools to the builder the violin to the player the color box to the painter if you will let them they will give you a rich storehouse of words making your speech both refined and strong as said before they study musical words and have nice ears for the combination of sounds from this you learn pleasant sounding words and they also are most skilful in fitting sounds to ideas so that the words help to express the things they name hear these artistic fittings of word to thing i chatter over stony ways in little sharps and trebles i bubble into eddying bays i bubble on the pebbles from the brook by tennyson where some words and lines suggest the high note of a shallow running water and others the low sounds of deep places and this the murmur of innumerable bees from the princess by tennyson again you will notice that poets love rare words seldom heard in common speech this is because they love the rare things expressed listening to them you also are surrounded by uncommon objects and peoples and romance the fairy world the distant and unworn things splendid deeds and the feelings that go with them are all your hourly neighbors the great poets also love exact words to name very accurate shades and aspects of things and when single words will not answer 
they understand how to combine words into phrases and choose delicate modifiers they dislike vagueness even when they talk about indistinct objects and if they see and hear slight differences among things they must have words to express them they will train you therefore in discriminating in being particular you know how often you say i know or i feel it but i can't say it the more you read good poetry the less often you will make that remark then too many feelings that are vague in themselves cannot be directly expressed but must be suggested hinted at said indirectly hence poets invent many figures for suggesting to us what would be unclear or weak see this beautiful one about the things that will help to cure the spirit of fighting in man's heart word overall beautiful as the sky beautiful that war and all its deeds of carnage must in time be utterly lost that the hands of the sisters death and night incessantly softly wash again and ever again the soiled world from reconciliation by whitman the poet then will ennoble your language and make it a fine strong tool of your spirit when it wishes to communicate with others of memorizing poetry pope said that reading poetry was profitable because verse was more compact than prose and more easily carried by the memory and that the binding together of short lines into stanzas by rhyme also helped in remembering the ideas expressed never forget that when you are young you memorize easily and what you then learn you keep it will not be so as you grow in years you are to be envied if some parent or teacher or better your own happy choice is urging you to memorize many lines of noble poetry you have stored away in your consciousness beautiful true and solving ideas these float into your mind when you most need them to speak nobly to your fellows to thwart some unhappy temptation to feed the mind with wholesome thoughts when it must otherwise live upon rubbish suppose you are lying in vacant or pensive mood and this bright picture of lancelot should flash into your mind all in the blue unclouded weather thick jewels shone the saddle leather the helmet and the helmet feather burned like one burning flame together as he rode down to camelot tennyson the lady of shalott was your heart not filled with pleasure suppose you were under sharp temptation to indulgence or meanness and this memorable line came floating into your consciousness wearing the white flower of a blameless life tennyson idols of the king or these my good blade carves the casks of men my tough lands thrusteth sure my strength is as the strength of ten because my heart is pure tennyson sir galahad would they not fight for your better self against the lower just because it is musical and the figures and pictures are beautiful you will remember long these fine words all along the valley stream the flashest white deepening thy voice with the deepening of the night all along the valley when thy waters flow i walked with one i loved two and thirty years ago tennyson in the valley of cotterets 
here then are beautiful pictures romantic situations noble philosophy in just the best condition to be grasped by your ready memories and stored up for enriching the mind for refining you by being at the very fountain of your emotions and for making you efficient when you confer with others things to admire and imitate we grow by what we admire and nothing more sad could be said of you than these swift words of the poet not to admire was all the art she knew where then will you get ideal things to admire to imitate to grow toward you will get them first from things and people about you and happy are you if you have near you a friend a parent a heroic man or woman of affairs or social activity who is ideal to you most fortunate are you if you have learned to see ideals of life working themselves out in society just about you your home school church or city oftenest these ideals are stated for us in our books here exist pictures of people and their ways more ideal than those shown by daily life or put in such surroundings and made to do such deeds as render the ideals they stand for easier to be seen here are things shown as they might or ought to or will be here things are active warm complete and beautiful these ideals are obtained by poets in several ways they cut away the commonplace features of life and let the rare the perfect ones stand out alone all men have ideal moments when their motives and actions are fine expressive of their best selves these the poets portray and simply leave unmentioned the other sordid or merely plain matters that go to make up the actual men they heighten or even exaggerate the ideal aspects of life this at times makes the artist seem false to us because we know the people and their deeds on their ordinary levels but we soon learn to read for the splendid enthusiasm produced in us by these ideal characters and circumstances and learn to interpret the actual world in terms of this ideal one lying above ideals are created by selecting from different people different institutions different actions their best qualities and combining them into new sometimes strange but still possible beings or deeds here among the ideals is lifted up before you some hector or achilles for bravery some odysseus for cunning and love of adventure some king arthur for courtesy and nobleness of soul some crusoe for self-dependence when thrown on his own resources some galahad for purity and for devotion to great causes they are rare creations but not too good for this earth and you are inspired by their examples just as much another fine group show you how to regard the daily life of work and play of simple people and simple things so that they seem delightful the very best possible the ideal at work they steady you they inspire and satisfy you and the ideal society is before your eyes because you have learned to see and select it in life's familiar face now among all peoples the poets have seen and taught the highest ideals they dislike the sordid and ill-done the wasteful and all ugliness their dreams and pictures are often far ahead of what men have attained to and the lazy or indulgent people call the poets mere dreamers but so are great inventors and discoverers and prophets all of them creators of better things yet to be they are noble teachers whenever their dreams are possible for men however difficult or far off the accomplishment no one therefore can ever do you so great a service as to plant in your heart an ideal something to live for devote yourself to to grow up into to build up on the earth believing in things then finally poetry makes us believe in life and the world 
You are just at the age when it often seems that dreams do not come true. When you meet many disappointments, when others hurt your feelings, when conditions seem too hard for your ideals to become actual, when you hear of so many unlovely people, but just to help us forget such barren knowledge a while, God gave the poet his song. Arnold, Haynes Grave The great poets give you things to love, they make you believe in the goodness, and they portray our old earth as a brave, good place to live and work in. In their pages, in spite of all that seems evil and all that is so, good men triumph at last, for God's in his heaven, all's right with the world. Browning, Pippa Passes The solutions they offer you are not worldly pay or success, not freedom from pain or work, but beauty, like the dawn of a sweet May morning, and peace, like waters on starry nights, and companionship, like a good friend for a walk in the woods, and the love of God, that friend that sticketh closer than a brother, and the sense of a never-ending life. Some Practical Hints for Reading Poetry 1. Read aloud. Thus reading slowly and getting the benefit of emphasizing important words with the voice as well as the eye. 2. Memorize a large amount of poetry. Say over the great passages aloud, enjoying the music of verse and raising your whole mind to the level of the poet's feelings. 3. Put the rare words and phrases into your compositions and letters, not as long quotations, never, but as good instruments for conveying your own thinking. 4. Read the same poem often, not for the story only, but the rich details in pictures, figures, and the feelings the poet gives to his materials. 5. Don't read one kind of verse only. Stories, for example. Make yourself, if you need to, read widely. You ought to be a rich soul as well as an intense one. 6. Do not read too much at once. Poetry tires quicker than prose. You get easily saturated and cannot take in more. Keep the volume close by you, for frequent rather than long reading. 7. When you find a beautiful picture or noble sentiment, write it off in a special book, your book. The writing will emphasize it, and you will soon be delighted with your growth in taste. 8. Write a good deal of verse yourself, not for publication. It will make you choice in pleasant, accurate, suggestive words. It will make you look for lovely things and deep truth. It will give you feelings of distinction in that you express your ideas in the most perfect form you can command. William Darnell McClintock End of Young People and the Poets by William Darnell McClintock This recording is in the public domain.